A lot of people actually think that it's easier to get people to attend your courses online than it is in person because it's hard to kind of get your name out there in person. For me, I mean, I've been teaching sold out childbirth classes for almost 20 years and they, they sell out months in advance. It's all about my influencers. Welcome to another episode of Doc... <laughs> we should probably leave that in because I've never said it like that. That was actually funny. Welcome to another episode of Academics Mean Business. Doctors starting businesses. Maybe that's what I was trying to say. But yeah, here we are. And today we have Dr. Britta Bushnell. This conversation is a good one because... It's a flip on the script a little bit that we've done in this space. You know, I don't like to give you, you know, the same kind of story every week by any means because we all have different stories and different experiences. But what I love about this one is Dr. Bushnell, Britta, she comes to us and shares her story about basically joining a PhD program a lot later in life, quote unquote, right? Like we know as academics, there's a traditional path and she did not take it. She was born into an entrepreneur family. Literally, the her seven brothers and sisters uh, were also, you know, most of them were entrepreneurs because she comes from an entrepreneur family. And she knew heading into her career that she would be an entrepreneur. Like you just, that's what you did in her family. Um, and a, a funny stat uh, she told us in the episode, which you'll catch that only three out of the eight of her the kids in her family went actually on to college. And I thought that was interesting. So she definitely went the furthest by getting a PhD. So she says, as she was nailed in her head early on, that as soon as you find a niche, go for it. So that's the culture she grew up in or the family she was raised in. And so she did childbirth education from a yeah an entrepreneur perspective she serviced um, a, a group of women and lots of women and and couples around childbirthing but as she did that career and I don't remember the amount of years but you'll learn she basically wanted to learn more wanted to go deeper and so she got a PhD in mythology and she with an emphasis in psychology and she used that of course as we all know as researchers from the lens of childbirth. And so we took she took her experiencing her experience, excuse me, coaching and helping families um, across the country, obviously, and you know, in her locally as well with childbirth. And so she used the lens of childbirth to talk about mythology. And so how stories we tell ourselves and pass on about childbirth, basically in this country from a, a Western perspective, impacts the experience of birth um, and becoming parents. So I I was all geeking out on that because I love talking about people's research and what they found. And I think from a sociological perspective, obviously love the notion about how we see birth, birthing and parenting as well. Um, so that was fun. I could have talked about that all day. But we, of course, also talk about her business structure and how she's looking to move online and uh, you know start helping more people more women, more men, more people becoming new parents, you know, with her work, with her very unique experience. So I think this is a great conversation. We also talk a little bit about the difference or kind of the negative connotation that entrepreneurs give academia and college. So I think you'll enjoy that uh, angle as well. So here she is, Dr. Britta Bushnell. Welcome to another episode of Academics Mean Business. Today, I am delighted to bring an interview with Dr. Britta Bushnell. Hello, Britta. How are you doing? Hello. I'm good. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. She's tuning in from Mammoth, folks. She's got this beautiful stone fireplace behind her. <laughs> and uh, we were talking about wildlife, potentially jumping in on the interview. But yeah, her, her Highly place unlikely. looks super cozy. <laughs> Highly unlikely. Yeah. The LA, she, by the way, her, uh, she's an LA native or actually I don't know if you're native. No, not native. No, not native. No. So she's LA, lives in LA now, but is out, uh, in the mammoth area, which a lot of, um, Southern California folks know that journey and drive. So we were just connecting about that and she was binge listening to academics mean business, which is super fun. I was. Yes. <laughs> So welcome, Britta. And I'm I'm just really excited to get to know you a little bit better. We were recounting how we our paths crossed. And um, it's one of those things where I think she was recommended to me or someone on her team actually found me. And I was like, yes, I would love to interview this person after I did a little bit of spying. And so 
um, you guys are going to learn um, about her as I'm learning about her, which I think is always super fun. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So welcome. And, um, you know, on Academics Mean Business, we love to kind of jump into the academic background. And um, if you want to share with us like what you studied and why you studied it. And I know um, in my kind of looking over your website and stuff, I, 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 I thought your journey was really interesting about um, the path that you took and, and uh, kind of, you know, building businesses and, and doing that simultaneously with deciding to go back to school. So if you want to like dive in a little bit of that academic thing and the, um, the research that you did and, and why you, you studied what you studied. And that's like always a great point for us to start sure. here. Sure. Happy to. So it's interesting because I, when I was listening to some of your podcasts, I found that a lot of the people that you interviewed sort of are academics who become accidental entrepreneurs. Yep. And yep. I would say I was an accidental academic. So, <laughs> I love that. That could be another podcast, maybe. <laughs> um, in many ways, because I I grew up as the the daughter of entrepreneurs, and I mean, I remember being mm -hmm. six years old in first grade, and somebody saying, I think it was my teacher who said, uh, "What does your What do your parents do?" And I said, "Oh, my dad's an entrepreneur." And they were like, "What's that?" Like back then, you know, I'm, I'm almost that? fifty. Oh my gosh. they don't know. Yeah. They didn't know what an entrepreneur was, and. Mm -hmm. And he really was a serial entrepreneur. So I sort of cut my teeth in that realm and had kind of all around me the, uh, the horrible saying that those who can do and those who can't teach. Uh, so so yes. that was sort of what I grew up in. That was part of the, the energy. It was like, you are an entrepreneur. That's what you do when you grow up. Mm. Um, and so that was... An interesting way to kind of to to grow up, and I, I in college and undergrad, I, I have sort of always been a teacher. And in undergrad, mm. I was doing undergrad for uh, psychology, and I was teaching preschool. And at mm. one point, and, and doing child development classes, and running and hosting birthday parties, and all these various different things. And at one point, somebody said, "Well, what are you going to do for?" for, you know, what can I do for my child's birthday? And I said, oh, well, I'm a birthday party clown, even though I wasn't. Ah! Um, uh -huh. And they were like, oh, great, give me your card. And that was just sort of the way that I was raised was like, you, you, as soon as you find a niche, you know, if there's something that is needed, mm. you just offer your services and you find a way to do it. So I've kind of always been in that realm and found my way into childbirth work uh, around mm -hmm. the time that I was pregnant with my first child, who's now actually on his academic journey. But mm. I uh, got into childbirth work and started first as a prenatal yoga instructor and then in childbirth education. And I'm sharing some of this because I think my academic journey wasn't just in institutes of higher learning. I believe mm. that mm -hmm. it's a tricky one to sort of to define what academic means, right? I mean, I know that's yes. one of the things you yep. talk about. <laughs> and yep. I feel like I've always been a student and always mm. been a teacher. And even if I haven't always been in academia proper. Yeah. So I, I started doing lots of trainings and, and education and, and enriching my knowledge about childbirth and about uh, rituals and rites of passage and all of that that was tied up and connected to childbirth. But my title, if you want to call it that, was childbirth educator, which did not at all mm. sum up what it was that I did. And at one point, I was part, I was a co-owner of an international childbirth educator training organization. And doing lots of different things in that regard, training educators. So in an ac it's it's a kind of academics, but not yeah you know, uh, in the university level. And then when that wrapped up and and my identity with that changed, I was looking for something different, and I thought mm. I wanted to become a therapist. And so I mm. started looking at programs for psychology and to, to get licensed and all of that. And I found myself 
looking at a program and could not stand all the course titles. They they just mm-hmm. were killing my enthusiasm for the idea yep. of becoming a therapist. I was like, oh, reporting? Oh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> and I just one after the other. But on this same website, there was a program for a PhD in mythology with an emphasis in psychology. So basically, a, a mm. PhD that is about the stories that we tell ourselves and what what those mean about us, how we use them um, throughout cultures, mm-hmm. uh, throughout time, through different religions. And I was besotted. I mean, I was just, that had to be where I need, what I needed to do, even though I wasn't, I didn't go to look for it, which is why I say I'm sort mm. of an ac- uh, accidental academic because yeah. I suddenly found myself applying and going through all of the, you know, and requesting transcripts. And suddenly I was down this path that I didn't think I was on, I was going on to get my PhD in mythology. And I mean, I've always loved mythology. I've always loved stories. And Mm -hmm. I, I loved that this program would allow me to study that in depth in regards to how it impacts our own lives rather mm. than going more the classical uh, studies department, which is where, I mean, for one, I'm, I can't do, for whatever reason, foreign language has never been my forte. And so the, a lot of those classical study programs require that you know Latin or Greek, or, mm-hmm. and, and that wasn't going to be my, my path. But this one really allowed me to meld psychology and stories and world religions, and particularly for me, the rites of passage and uh, ritual studies that was so fascinating for mm. me. And so I, mm-hmm. I did the coursework and then took a, a year off, uh, sort of a leave of absence for a year and went traveling around the world with my family and came mm. back. We, we were gone for a year and when I came back, it was sort of, oh, wow, okay, it's time for time to get serious, time to write this dissertation. And the one thing I had told myself when I started this program and when I went back to grad school that I would not write my dissertation about was childbirth. I was determined oh. to have my grad school time be a, a leaping off, a launching pad to something mm, different. Interesting. You know how that works, right? <laughs> I saw your title, so I know where this is going. <laughs> and it's like, oh, best laid plans. Yes. And in, of course, what did happen is my time in grad school, I would be reading whatever I was reading, whatever story, whatever coursework, whatever lecture I was in, I found myself using the lens of childbirth to Mm -hmm. understand what was happening, what was being talked about. I also did the opposite where we'd be talking about um, a myth or a story or a psychological thing or a ritual rite of passage. And I used that to look back at childbirth because that was already the field I was in. And mm-hmm. so when I got to dissertation formulation time, I had a whole list of what I thought I might do. And the only one that just kept, you know, screaming at me, no, pick me, pick me, was was about childbirth. And the mm-hmm. looking at using a mythological lens to sort of look at the culture, the um, American culture, mm-hmm. and how we're all sort of stewing in a soup that is based on stories and cultural ideals and how all of those we don't even necessarily notice because we're in it, mm. mm-hmm. but they influence how we birth. They influence mm-hmm. uh, um, how we are when we're pregnant. They influence all of these factors, even how we prepare to become a parent. Oh yeah, And mm-hmm. that's where I went. So that's what I, I wrote my dissertation on. And I just want to talk to you about this. <laughs> well, it was I'm like sitting here going like, so I'm a sociologist. And so I'm like, and I also did my um, graduate work. Um, one of my like 
favorite times of my graduate studies was going into the Ecuadorian Amazon and working with the Achuar folks. And I remember learning about, yeah, there or like mythology is such an important piece of just storytelling and culture and the way we pass on tradition yes. and norms and values. And to be somewhere that had this um, storytelling um, as such a key component of their day-to-day life and then learning how the universe is birthed, right? So like, and that, and that's such a fascinating thing to compare and to just look at that, you know, from a perspective of living, you know, within the community and learning from them and just recognizing just the way we talk about how the beginnings Mm -hmm. of things is, is related to how we see women, how we see pregnancy, how we see childbirth. And I'm just sitting here going like, oh my gosh, that would be so interesting to study. And I just like want to talk to you about that, but that's not what this show is about. (laughs) But like, I love it. What, what, um, what a cool, you know, thing to study. And I also love, because this is a theme that comes up in this podcast where, yeah, sure. A lot of academics accidentally become entrepreneurs or make that choice, or even sometimes some feel like they're forced into that choice. They bring in their past experience to make those decisions and that is one thing about the academy that is, um, you know, whether or not it's for good or for bad, but, you know, it's looked down upon to come into a PhD program late. Um, and it's like you're just supposed to be this like fresh student and follow this like specific path. And so a lot of people who go into PhD programs don't have life experience to to tap into. And in fact, they're just looking around like what other people are studying. So I I I find the like you know, non-traditional PhD um, student, like really fascinating as well, because our culture is so like, you do this certain process or journey um, to get your degree, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mine was a really interesting thing. I mean, I was 39 when Mm -hmm. I started my graduate program and got my PhD just before I turned 46. Mm. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I was 45 when I got Mm -hmm. it. And it's one of those like, wow, okay, my children saw me going to school. Yeah. Uh, I was raising children while I was in the midst of mm-hmm. dissertation writing. It was a very different kind of experience than like non traditional. Yeah. Very non traditional yeah. than being even my undergrad experience of, of being, you know, free and easy and <laughs> doing yeah. whatever that was. And, and it, <laughs> you know, which was wonderful. And back then, even I I did have a thought that I might go back to school Mm. and did a bunch of things to make it so that that might be a possibility. But but once I actually graduated and kind of ventured into the next phase of my life, I I found myself in different places and in Mm -hmm. sort of an entrepreneurial uh, journey, which makes sense being as how, you know, I mean, I have this entrepreneurial family. I have seven siblings. Wow. Uh, All of them are entrepreneurs in one way or another. Yeah. Uh, Of the eight of us, only three of us have an undergraduate degree. I'm the only one that has a graduate degree. Yeah. Everybody else, I mean, five of my siblings haven't graduated undergrad because of that family culture of mm-hmm. entrepreneurial and the entrepreneurial like you don't need culture. It. Yeah. I've talked about this on the episode, Melanie Sadka's episode. She teaches business. Um, she teaches entrepreneurship and I constantly am talking about, and I'm pro- I'm pretty curious of what you have to say around this, especially with your like family background, because I entered into this entrepreneur space again as kind of like an act, like accidental And there's a lot of people that talk all this like terrible crap about college, right? And like about the degree and about PhDs, right? Why why Mm -hmm. would you do that? Why would you, right? And there's this question of cost benefit analysis, but there's, yeah, there's just all this, there's this kind of talking down of institutionalized education. And I think you know, maybe 75% of it is valid. Like there's some clear like things that we need to change. And I, I talk about that all the time. But then there's this other underlining thing about the reason why people get an education. I think you represent this a little bit too, um, is not always some end game. And, and in entrepreneurship, when you're building a business, it's like profit related, right? Or like what, how does this impact my bottom line? But you know, you can't say that education, all, like all of education is, 
in order to get a job or in order to make right. X dollars. And and that I think is a, you know, that zero sum game like doesn't benefit a culture that is like educating a population. You know what I mean? Like, like we shouldn't be having it in that same conversation. So I'm curious, yeah, you know, what your thoughts are on that too. As someone who went you know, and got a degree, I'm I'm guessing you weren't thinking, oh, I'm going to be a professor with a PhD in right. mythology, right? right? You did this for education's <laughs> sake, it sounds like. Yeah, it really yeah. was for me. I mean, as I said, it was, it was a complete accident in, in mm-hmm. many ways, or it was, I, I've sort of, I mean, as a mythologist, I, I use metaphors a lot and, <laughs> and symbolism and stories, but I've kind of seen my, my life my career life as being driven kind of like a, uh, I was more of a gatherer than a hunter. Like Mm. I didn't know what I was going out to get. I wasn't hunting for something. Mm -hmm. I was out exploring Mm. the world, exploring the bushes, the wilderness, and picking what I was hungry for. Ooh, yeah. And that's really been sort of the defining part of, of, or the thread that links all the various different parts of my, my career unfoldment that mm. has happened in, in the, you know, last 30 something years. And I would say that, that this graduate degree was, was a really juicy berry on a bush mm-hmm. that, that I said, Ooh, that's very, that's interesting. I mean, I had come, uh, come to an end with this business that, that I was doing with, with two other women. And I had really loved the communal nature of working with them. Mm. And I was ready to dive deeper into education into new learning i wanted to to gather new new bits of of knowledge and my husband and i actually talked about it and he was like okay so for the cost of of a graduate degree you could do so many mm. personal growth retreats and mm-hmm. workshops <laughs> and trainings mm-hmm. and you, you name it what is it about going to graduate school mm. that is more appealing? And I, I really had to think about that because it's it is that question. cost benefit. And mm-hmm. what was it that going to an institution of, of higher learning was mm-hmm. going to give me that every month going to a, a different personal growth workshop sure. wasn't going to give me? Mm-hmm. And a lot of it for me was the cohort. Like I wanted to be in a cohort situation where I was conversing over a period of time with yep. people chewing on similar topics. Mm-hmm. That was really appealing to me. Yep. In addition to that, I, I wanted to see if I could do it. Mm-hmm. I wanted mm-hmm. to see, I wanted to test my, my academic my intellectual rigor. Mm-hmm. Personal, I know how to do personal growth work. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Frankly, the the most intensive personal growth workshop I've ever done was going to graduate school. Mm, it was dang. putting myself <laughs> into an experience that stretched me intellectually mm. and academically. It was mm-hmm. not a personal growth focused workshop. We did not sit in a circle and talk about feelings and what was happening. Mm-hmm. That did not happen. That wasn't the type of program I was in. But each coming to the end of each quarter and and slogging through papers mm-hmm. and research and and having to pace myself was a type of of personal growth that was like feet to the fire for me. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I love this is like this is so awesome because I'm, you know, coming off of a couple of interviews today. And it's so funny because um, just this flip in perspective of, um, you know, uh, business first or jobs first and like, you know, getting out into the world first and then coming into academia and choosing that. But a lot of us folks who went the academic path in the like traditional sense have a trauma that we like are behind or we didn't do it right. And I've had multiple people come on and say like how little we value what it means to have that degree. And it makes sense because I do think, you know, 
general society or like, you know, you know, mainstream culture, I do think we do a bad job of like representing what the value of a PhD is. And there's work that's being done around that, like currently, but you're basically highlighting that like that you got a bunch of skills from this process that actually I'm I would venture to say, and this might be putting words in your mouth, but is putting you at the top of your field because you've gone through this rigorous process. You're working on a book, which you just mentioned. Yes. And I'm thinking about the skills that an academic can bring to entrepreneurship. Um, and you're just highlighting that there's so much value in having done this work. And if we only saw it versus I mean, I think for sure I've talked about this on the show before, but like the academic culture that makes us feel like, oh, your worth is like what publications you're in or whatever, and you're not in it for the money. And there's all these different things that we do in academia that makes us like devalue what um, we've done. So I love this because you're totally flipping that on its head. (laughs) Yeah. Although I will say that those little letters after my name have opened a lot of doors. I was I was going to ask that. And like, part of me is like, I, I know that and what that does. And there's a lot of people, I have a lot of friends actually in the entrepreneur space who are either like life coaches or in coaching in some way or helping people with consulting or strategizing. And they're going back to school and they're coming to me and they're like, am I crazy for wanting to get a PhD? And I'm like, you're not. Like, they're, you're not doing it to... to um yeah, become a professor per se. Maybe you will. Maybe that would be a life choice you did later. But like you're doing it because you want to go deep in a subject. That should be why we do something like that, that takes that much effort and work. And there is a benefit. It's like yeah. instant, not instant, but it's credibility. It's authority um, because we know what goes into that. Um, not everyone knows really what goes into it, but there is something that's a status there. That's why a lot of people, you know, um, or that's a benefit of having a PhD is that status that it gets. So, so I'm sure that that happens for sure. Yeah, it really has. It's open doors for, for speaking. Mm. I've, I've been doing a lot of speaking since at, at, you know, international birth conferences mm. and it, I mean, I'm speaking about things that I, not always research that I did on my dissertation, for my dissertation. It's sometimes things that I've, I've gleaned through other trainings or other kinds of study and research. And yet the PhD after my name is, is opening the door to allow me to share that information, Mm -hmm. that wisdom on, on a broader scale. And Mm -hmm. I also think that it did it did significantly impact getting a book deal mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it it's it's funny because I think it helped me get the book deal. And I feel like I spent six years, the six years of my graduate program, learning how to be an academic. Like mm-hmm. the whole thing mm-hmm. was, mm-hmm. every single day was learning something more and new about yep. how to do this better and mm very powerful learning. And now I feel like I'm having to unlearn all of that (laughs) in in a certain way, particularly academic writing, writing, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. academic writing. I mean, I, I feel like I, I spent a long time in grad school trying to become a stronger academic writer. Sure. And then when I was pitching my, my book proposal, one of the comments that came back a couple of times was, it's too academic. Mm-hmm, <laughs> and I just mm-hmm. had to laugh because I'm like, wait a minute, how is that possible? Yeah. I, I spent all this time wanting, you know, the the imposter in my head saying I'm not academic enough. Yeah. And now <laughs> the imposter is I'm too academic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. And it's just sort of a, a funny place to find myself in now is my my book is due in 21 days uh, to my publisher. And I'm having to go back and be like, okay, is this too much academic? I mean, I'm, mm. I'm a huge citer now. Yeah, I love for sure. to cite. Yeah. Oh, I mean, what academic doesn't love to cite and mm-hmm. quote and, you know, pull in other experts. And right. my editor has said to me, you're the expert. Mm. and I'm having to like, okay, that's right. Uh, I need to, 
So that's that's one of the legacies that is sort of an undoing that mm. I'm having having to do. But the doors that have opened because mm-hmm. of it are definitely there. Mm-hmm. And there's no question that that those are there, they're happening, and they're helping me. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I love that. That's it's so funny to think about. Um I'm I feel like so the same where I feel like I've it's actually prevented me from putting out, I think, some more mainstream content like social media stuff um, initially because I didn't want to over like, quote unquote, overdo it like it's too much. And then and so there's some sort of like recoiling that happened of like, oh, the like I'm going to talk to an abstract sense, like no one's going to be able to apply it. There's such a push for like how to content and like there's not a lot of like, let's just talk about concepts and theories, which is what we're so used to. So I can totally um, resonate with that. And I think it's funny with the book writing. My husband and I are both reading Habits of High Performers, I think, which is Brendan Burchard. Are you familiar with his work? A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. And he basically wrote a bunch of stuff about uh, high performance and he created an institute around it and has a bunch of academic research going into it. And he but it's funny because my husband and I are both reading it simultaneously and he's a physics PhD, right? And it's one of his, he hasn't read a lot of personal development books. I like keep many of them away from him. <laughs> and mm-hmm. he's like, I found myself reading and being like, oh, that's not like, that's not like founded on anything. And then, and then Brendan would catch it with a little bit of research or a caveat that says like, I know this is a blanket statement, which then like absolves him of any sort of like, I don't know, responsibility or something, but it's so funny to like read something that is written for the general public, but is more academic than typical personal development stuff. Like most of the stuff out there is just like, oh, this worked for me. And (laughs) there's a couple other people who it's worked for too. So therefore it's fine. And I'm just like, uh, right. And they're not citing anything. So it's such an, an interesting, you know, um, space to navigate. Like as I was reading some of these things, because I didn't read a lot of personal development stuff in grad school, it was all academic. And then right. I, I remember reading some of those first things and I'm like, is this even a book? Like, can you call yeah. this a book? I don't know. It's so funny to think about publishers and like how they decide what is going to sell. And then, but like what is put out as like fact or knowledge. And as an academic, it's like, we're always questioning that. Yes. Well, I can guarantee you, I, I mean, my book's nearly finished at this point and it, it still has an academic bent to it. Mm -hmm, I mean, it mm -hmm. just, it's, I can't not, shall we say with my little double negatives there, but it, I have to, I have to, I have to put in, I have to at least put those footnotes in and Mm -hmm. (laughs) just to acknowledge that this comes from someplace else. Right. That like this is engaging with other like concepts and other things that have been studied. I'm a not the first person who said it, but also you see where this comes from. That's so important in just thinking about knowledge. Yeah. 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 And I mean, and I I think of myself as a weaver. So Mm. I'm I'm taking threads from Things that don't seem to go together, mm, you know, I love that. mythology yes. and childbirth. Those don't seem to go together, and and symbols and mm-hmm. uh, certain kinds of psychological work. And I'm weaving them together to create mm. this new tapestry, which is my book. Yes, and the way that I work. And yep. so I'm I'm taking so when I pull a thread, I want to speak to where that thread where came it's coming from. from. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. but if if I'm weaving it in some new, different kind of way, that's mine. Mm, you yeah, know, that, I'm 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 letting that be. I'm the weaver, but the you threads are. mm-hmm. aren't just. I'm not. I'm not making all the thread. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I acknowledge that. Yeah, yeah, and I think there's something to be said for yeah, like we're built on the backs of giants, right? Or like whatever yes. the right, and like acknowledging where that comes from and tradition, and um, but not even just tradition, but like historical knowledge and you know years of work, like so important. It's just funny to think about how ugh, there's like simultaneously, like I don't, it's not like a dumbing down, but like oh well, it's not necessary, it's not needed, or people don't want to know that, and it's like. 
Or are we actually creating that because we're pretending that people don't need to know where, you know, ideas come from and um, how to think critically and, and all of that. And I think there's um, obviously a lot to be said about. And I think, who did I have? I've had a couple um, uh, science, like pop science, not pop science. What's the word that they use? Like um, science for pop culture or pop popular science writers or uh-huh. something like that. But that's like a thread of work where people are working on communicating like science and research and um, into the general public. And like they are engaged in it's, you know, it's kind of like a public some public work that they're doing, like trying to get an understanding of science out more, more mainstream. Well, and I think Brené Brown's work For is sure. an example of uh, an academic taking work and speaking it, mm, writing mm-hmm. it in yeah. a way that isn't dumbed down, no, but is grounded in research and grounded yes. in, in, other people's work as well as her own and and is very uh, i mean it's bestsellers every day for sure you know? yeah and and i th- so i think that culture does want some of exactly that. that and it's i think it's one of those things of like oh well you know from a sales perspective or you know i i also think about oh like movies, right? Like, oh, well, they don't want lead, you know, women aren't funny, so they don't get leads, right? And it's like, wait, they, you know, and then you have these blockbusters and it's like, you actually need to make them to get that actually, <laughs> right? right? So Brene Brown right. is that perfect example. And, um, and yeah, and it, it, she's a great, it's a great point because you, you read her work and there isn't a bunch of citations, but you trust her, right? Because yeah. she's positioned herself and she, um, you know, has cited where she needs to. And then where she doesn't, you still know because she's always engaged with that identity as an academic. And so people are like, oh, well, you know, if she's saying it, you know, she's thought about it in this way or whatever. And I, and I think also to just acknowledge like the type of research she does, right. Grounded theory, which is like, it's, it's coming out of what the research is saying versus going the other way, which is, you know, going into the literature and then finding what your, um, your research is. So I think um, right. her specific style of research, research to be honest too, cause I'm as a sociologist, I did a participatory action research study that kind of study and research is looked down upon. It's not the rigorous statistical like data analysis. So mm-hmm. there's also that happening as well, where there are people who think grounded theory is a waste of time. And right. of course she would say that's crazy. And I think she even talks about that she actually does. as well. Yeah, she does. And I mean, it's interesting to to even just bring all of that up to For sure. how, how much uh, how much how much all of us have somebody who's saying it's not enough Ooh, boom yeah it doesn't we all do i mean it doesn't mm-hmm. matter we could be the most rigorous academic and somebody else is going to yep. say well it's unreadable yep because it's too academic there's yep. going to be and so it's it there's so much in doing work outside, both in and outside of Mm. academia, that's really about finding the voice that is authentically Mm. my own, your own, you know, our own. I think that that's really important. Mm. And, and just moving with that and knowing that there are going to be people who disagree. Yep. Yep. Oh, but I don't like that part, right? (laughs) No, right? And that's the part that sucks. And I think from like, yeah, now I'm literally in my head, like Brene's work, like vulnerability and judgment and shame. Like, (laughs) oh yeah, she's here. Like I can hear her. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's so true. And like how that stops us from speaking or um, saying our thoughts. I just did finish an interview where, yeah, we talk about that. You know, this interview might most likely will follow it. But yeah, we talk about being polarizing um, you know, publicly in your business. And, and that really just mm-hmm. demonstrates that you have an idea and a thought. And I think academics know that really well, right? Like right. research that ends up in the best journals or, um, you know, makes the most, causes the most stir is off, is often those big pivotal shifts or changes in like the direction of, um, you know, what we was, we thought was one going one way. And then a study comes out and it takes it a different way. I mean, that's like, you know, Right. research is polarizing. It's kind of built in um, anyways, and building a business based on that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, we could talk yeah. about this all day. Isn't this I know fun? we could talk about that all day. <laughs> I was just 
my my thoughts went went to another place, which was sure. was thinking about the ways in which my journey through academia and my birth work were mm. so interrelated, mm. and how I. I didn't really know that that would be the case, but oh, especially dissertation writing mm, yes. was an underworld journey. I bet. And so similar to the underworld journey of labor and birth. An and underworld is what? Like unspoken? Like, un- unspoken or- the or the the stripping away of who you thought you were. Mm, okay. Until you are underground, you are emptied, you are vulnerable, mm. all of the ego that you mm. thought you mm-hmm. were has has been obliterated. Yep. And you're just raw and you, mm-hmm. you just become the process itself Ooh. rather than the identity of I am Britta doing my dissertation. It was like, mm-hmm. no, I became dissertation writing. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yes. That part and feeling the the highs and lows and the mm. feelings of this is never going to end. I'm never going to get there. Mm-hmm. That is so similar to what women experience in labor. Like I'm never going to get there. It's only getting harder. Mm. And will I will this thing ever be birthed? <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I I felt like my process through dissertation writing was mirroring all the work that I've done with couples on the path into parenthood. Mm. So so as I was going through the process, it was like I had this metaphor of birth overlaying even writing a dissertation about birth. Right. And it was, <laughs> <laughs> was sort of sort of hilarious. I ended up writing a, a blog about that at one point. Which is so was, meta, but makes perfect yeah, sense exactly. So when meta. you become your research and that's yes. all your <laughs> yes. you literally yeah. Yeah, you become your research. You become mm-hmm. what you're doing and mm. and and the identity of of ooh, this, you know, by the time I was defending my dissertation, I didn't have this this um bold, like, I'm a doctor now Mm -hmm. kind of feeling. Mm -hmm. It was like, oh my God, I made it. Mm -hmm. And it, so it's like reverse childbirth, right? Like the non-sleeping and the like sleepless nights, it's flipped, right? It's all free, (laughs) but yes. Yes, to some degree, but but coming out on the other side and feeling like once I defended my dissertation and, and got those three little letters and all of that, that I would be in this shiny new world called post-doctorate, you know, this other world on the other side, which is a lot like parents feel that as Mm. soon as they get through labor, they're going to be on this shiny side called new parenthood. And Mm. they don't realize that it's postpartum on the other side, which is not shiny. (laughs) No, not opposite of shiny. You're like, is this all there is? Like, what am I doing with my life? Yeah. And I, I remember, uh, I took my, my, uh, my external reader flew in for my defense. And I remember I took him to the airport uh, a couple days after my defense and dropped him off. And then I went home and my kid had a, a brace broke on his, you know, on his braces and I had to take him to the dentist. And I, anyway, I was doing all these things and I had this moment where it made me think of Jack Cornfield's um, book, After the Ecstasy, The Laundry, mm. because there I was, it was like, okay, I've, I'm now Dr. Britta Bushnell, and I still have to take my kid to the orthodontist right. to deal with, like, <laughs> it was the, the shiny excitement of, of coming to the other side, just, mm-hmm. it was still reality. Yep. I still had real life. And mm all that needed to happen. And this just became part of my life on the other side, but it didn't radically change it in any profound way. Mm. This is so interesting because, yes, so I've I've never given birth. Um, I'm not a mother. And I... um, But I'm totally thinking like back to my time as a... um, When I was dissertating, same thing. It's like that crescendo that then just has this like wait there was nothing like where was the climax again like you're you're looking back and you're like 
wait, what part was I supposed to be just like so blown away by my accomplishment? And, um, and then I like, that's when I accidentally started a business was because I had this space where I was like, oh my gosh, I've devoted 30 years. Like I look at, I, um, I think I defended when I was 33 or 32, something like that. And it was like, it was like, I spent my whole life in education. I went through the whole gamut and not straight through, like I did a teaching credential. Then I got my master's. Then I went and got my EDD. And so part of me was like, I haven't not been in school. I don't even know what's on the other side of this. So I like started working out, which is so interesting. And, and that's the beginning of my edu- of like my entrepreneur path because I was like, it, it's like looking back, it's almost like I was done with that identity because I yeah. like reached the like pinnacle, which isn't true because the pinnacle was truly actually tenure and I was like a year and a half away. But it's 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 similar where there, the other side of releasing the dissertation or the defense is like it doesn't, nothing changes or the reality of what now, what like finding the job or whatever. And so it's this like weird emptiness. And so I could totally, like, I've never had anyone related to childbirth, but it makes sense. And then entrepreneurship is similar too. like, Oh, I hit six figures and everyone talks about this as this magical, mystical thing. I, I like can't breathe. I'm like working so hard. What even is this? Right. And there's, these weird markers we set up ourselves, the meaning and the sociologist in me, obviously, and you as a mythologist yes. would, would also align to this, but like the meaning we give to things, right? And then when we interact with it or engage with it and find out it doesn't mean that, like the, the search for meaning is like the human, right, condition, yes, I guess. Exactly. And so exactly. we've been placing these things on ourselves and then we're like, oh, it's not what everyone says it is. Yeah. Yeah, mm. all the finding meaning that, finding that we meaning. are meaning making animals. I mean, yep. That is what we are. I mean, what your work is, what my work is. That's mm-hmm. what what we both study. Yeah, and yeah, and and so it, of course, I was making meaning about my dissertation process yep. through yep. a lens that I was writing about, as well as had you know, is my, my, my professional world as well. Mm. And it Mm -hmm. was, of course, that's where I was finding meaning and what, (laughs) what was happening. Yeah. I love it. And from this, and I love it. And then to go back into like personal development, that means we can change the story when we don't like the meaning or the meaning isn't serving us that we've like, yeah, externalized our, our worth, you know, giving it away to something else, all of that, that means we can also change it. We can decide it means something else. Um, and I think from a like social movement perspective, like when you study social movements, um, what social movements are is, is a collective effort to literally change the meaning of what is, you know, happening with a specific group or like, um, you know, some sort of, yeah, usually like an identity or something like that. So like feminism is literally changing the meaning of how women are seen in society and their position and all of that. So I love it because I feel like that's like from a sociology perspective, it's like, oh yeah. And the work we're doing right now, having this conversation about what it means, what did we open with? What does it mean to be an academic? What does that even mean? We're literally shifting what it means. We're like in it right now. Right. Right. Like in a classical sense, I'm not an academic. Mm, I mean, mm, I have a PhD, but I do not work in academia. Yeah, That's not been, and I'm, I'm very aware that I am not in academia Mm. at this point, Mm -hmm. because I have to pay for research. I mean, Mm -hmm. it sucks. Yeah. Isn't that the most annoying thing? (laughs) It is the worst. Still mind boggling to me. I remember when I hit my first paywalls, even in doing my dissertation, right? I'm like, wait, you want me to be able to like get the scope of all the research in my area, but actually my institution hasn't paid for this yet. Like what is happening? Exactly. And now that I'm on the other side and I'm, I'm out of Mm. there, I've reached back to my graduate school. Can can you help me get this? I was just going to say, someone can uh, message you on Twitter. Anyone, any grad student listening, she needs Totally. I mean, it's just, uh, I mean, it is funny, but that is a wall that went up Mm -hmm. that told Mm -hmm. me, oh, I'm out now. You're out. Mm -hmm. I'm out. And I know that I have, you know, some colleagues who are in the world of uh, research who Mm -hmm. are 
also working with birth. So mm. I, I also reach out to them from time to time and sure. <laughs> ask for some help in getting a, a particular research study that I'm looking for. But um, I can tell that they're doing work that's slightly different than what I'm doing, mm. because mine yeah. is meant now for the general population. Mm, and mm-hmm. not specifically for academics. Other academics, right? right? So interesting. So yeah, tell us a little bit about your business. And um, I always like to, I don't know, just like give people ideas about, you know, different income streams or, um, you know, where, where um, like the way you've set it up or any business model, you know, it sounds like you've created a few businesses, like anything you want to share with academics who are potentially starting a new business um, as well. So diving into a little bit of that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. as I mentioned at the beginning, I feel like I've sort of always been an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and and it's sort of uh, just kind of keeps unfolding in new ways. I mean, right now, as as I've already mentioned, the key place that I'm I'm working is on a book mm-hmm. and it's being published in January of 2020 mm-hmm. through Sounds True. Sounds True is a a publishing house that has a lot of different platforms. And so they do both print publication as well as audio, audio books and audio programs and, and online platforms of different sorts. And so there's, there's a lot of things that are in the works kind of with, with that over the course of the next year. Although my main focus right now is finishing the written book. (laughs) Um, which is, which is due very soon. And, and then I also do do in-person courses. Mm. The work that I do that I, I'm just passionate about and I love completely is working with couples as they prepare for the rite of passage of giving birth and becoming a parent. Mm -hmm. And so I, I do lead in-person workshops. That's, that's kind of been sort of my bread and butter, shall mm-hmm. we say, is is doing that. But I am hitting some of the limitations mm-hmm. of that and needing now to branch out and do more stuff online. I was listening to, as I told you, some of your podcasts on the drive up here today and was hearing so many uh, of your guests and and you as well talking about online platforms and I was yep. salivating you know like yes yep. it's time it's time yes. um, but right now I've really been in that place of building a social media platform mm-hmm. bu- getting my name out speaking I'm doing a lot of speaking at conferences um, and just sharing my sort of unique perspective of the linking between myth and birth and cultural ideals and how they mm. influence that, influence us in childbirth. And so I've been really kind of just working and focusing hard on that. So I would say that's pretty much the, sort of the main, the, the key thing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have a lot of different in-person workshops. I have mm-hmm. uh, ones for, for new moms to come with their babies. Uh, my husband and I do a couples workshop for new parents, which has been, which was, is super fun for us because he's a financial planner and I work in childbirth. So we're, we're so different in certain ways. And, and yet we're, we're both pretty passionate people about both our own industries as well as, communication skills mm, and mm-hmm. tools for deepen deepening your your own knowledge of yourself and things of that sort and so we we were looking for a spot where we could come together yeah. and and bridge what we know and so we did uh put together a, a couples workshop where he did some stuff about financial literacy for I mean that's so important in building a family and is missing probably in all of this I'm sitting here going um that's really awesome Uh, like as a as a match it was a it was actually fabulous I mean yeah the the feedback and the um yeah everything that we got from the people who who have attended has just been uh, okay when's level two yeah (laughs) so yeah so we're we're thinking about things that we can do with that and and yeah as well as other things, but yeah. yeah, that's kind of the main, the main crux of it. So I have a question that yeah. might be helpful to our listeners too. Like, 
Um, and I, I think it totally relates to being an academic or having maybe a, a certain background that you could potentially do consulting or live and in-person workshops. I know mm-hmm. I talk a lot about going online and that online transition. And a lot of people I interview are because that's kind of in my space. What are some tips you have for potentially maybe starting a little side hustle where you are giving workshops locally and building kind of at least an in-person, you know, network, I guess, to to like, how would you approach maybe someone or how would you discover yeah. what's aligned? Like, what are your tips for doing that? That's uh, uh, such a great question. Yeah, because in person, I mean, a lot of people actually think that it's easier to get people to attend your courses Mm -hmm. online than it is in person because it's hard to kind of get your name out there in person. And for me, it has, I mean, I've been teaching sold out childbirth classes for almost 20 years Mm -hmm. and they, they sell out months in advance. Yeah. And it's all about my influencers. All Mm -hmm. of it. It's Mm -hmm. 100%. uh, It early on, I was getting myself in front of pregnant women because I was mm-hmm. teaching prenatal yoga. Oh, and yeah. so people were like, ooh, I kind of like you. Mm-hmm. And you teach this class? Done. Mm-hmm. And so that built the first layer. Yep. And then after that, it started to be that that midwives and OBs and doulas and doulas. other people mm-hmm. in my industry, but not doing the same thing that I was doing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. became interested in what I was doing. And so that started, they then started sending me their people. Yeah. And I I don't have to do anything Mm -hmm. at this point. I, all Mm -hmm. I need to do is put a date on my website and within about a week, week and a half, it's sold out. Love it. And, and it's, it really, is mostly word of mouth influencers. Mm-hmm. And then this funny thing happened a couple of years ago. And I mean, I, f- I thought it was funny because I've been doing this for so long. I didn't really know about this whole Yelp thing. <laughs> I mean, I knew about it for restaurants. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, yep. I, knew, I used it for restaurants, but somebody said, you really should put up a, a Yelp reviews. Uh, I mean, a mm. Yelp page for yourself so that no one s- makes it for you. Yep. And so I did. And I got, you know, a bunch of people, I sent out a little notification to my past participants and said, if anybody's a Yelper, uh, go ahead and put something up there. Mm-hmm. And within a couple of days, I had some great people, um, some great referrals up there, some uh, reviews. and. Then suddenly I was having people attend my class who were not referred to me yep, by anybody. Yep. Who, mm-hmm. I said, wait a minute, you came to me through Yelp? Like, yep. isn't Yelp what you do to find a good breakfast place? <laughs> <laughs> so I know that, that millennials are probably a little more tuned into that. But for me, it was kind of a surprise that, yeah. that people were actually looking for things in my area yep. on Yelp. They were looking for childbirth classes and mother's groups Mm -hmm. on Yelp. And sure enough, they found me. I love that. That's so good. And I, you know what I also love about what you mentioned too, and it's definitely kind of how I built my business as well and how I want to leverage my business too. This idea of finding not, I don't know if the word partnership is a little strong, but like people that are doing or study similar things but maybe teach a different phase of the journey or yeah. um or yeah like a, they have a, like obviously a match for you would potentially could be like nutrition classes like who knows right like what someone who like what is the ideal client they obviously are in a certain phase in their life so that's like really easy to find that person but who else is offering services that cater to that person and yeah. how can you share audiences yeah. because there's no need to go out and everyone get their own people when other people cuz it's a win-win right exactly. for the people that you're booking and filling out you know probably community centers i'm assuming and like a lots of different like health centers that are popping up more and more right these boutique um, ways that we're getting help from experts is now becoming this like, I don't know, like it's really cool. And yeah. I think, and I think you kind of represent the beginning of that, right? Like, or not the beginning, but like yeah. how this is like playing out in society. And I think, yeah, of course, millennials want to like do motherhood perfectly. We like, of course, right. we want to be Instagram worthy and like do right. it their quote unquote right way. 
I, myself is like one of the elder millennials, not not quite the youngins, but um, I'm yeah, one of the I oldest. Yeah, I mean, I think, but. and there's there's so many different threads within that mm. web. Yeah, and you know, I I refer out all I the bet. time. Yeah, for all sure. the time, and people are referring back to me. And yep. there's, I don't want to be the expert at everything. Yeah, there's no need to be. Yeah. No. I have no, no interest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like excited for you though, for online workshops. When you're saying that stuff is booking out, that's something that can only happen at a specific time in LA probably. Right. Maybe you you fly other places, but that means that's just evidence that there's like a whole group of people that can't be reached by you right now that you could help. And I'm sitting yep. here going like, oh girl, I know. Get it online. I know. That, that really is it. the next. And, and Last year, I really thought that it, that was going to be last year, mm. but it ended up being book writing year. There you go. <laughs> so, hey, so one thing at a time. That that was yeah. that year, and and maybe this year coming forward uh, is going to be more of that. Yeah, very cool. I yeah. love it. Yeah. Um. Cool. Well, this has been such a fun conversation. See, I told you we'd talk about crazy stuff. We went into I know, the mythology, it's and the, the mythology of academia. No. <laughs> <laughs> we'd go to all sorts of places. Yeah, all it's, sorts it's of an places. interesting place. I mean, I I wasn't sure where we would go, and yeah. with my less than conventional journey through through the academic halls and and entrepreneurship and all of that i thought oh this this will this could be interesting who knows it's perfect <laughs> oops on accident we're interesting uh, just kidding <laughs> <laughs> That's so um yeah why don't you maybe in closing maybe we can share um since we kind of talked a little bit we started to get into what your focus might be this year like what are you working on um, right now? Obviously, the book. Like, what's yes. your vision for you know um, your business and the impact you kind of want to have? If you want to share that with us, that would be awesome. Yeah, great. Well, I, I'm the reason I ended up deciding to write a book was mm. well, I had in many ways already written it in the form of the dissertation. Sure. Um, except that was a bit of a fantasy thinking that it was already written because I had to basically <laughs> <Yeah>. completely rewrite it. <laughs> Only um, written for like a, such a small percentage of people. It's so funny. Exactly. I mean, it just, it, it's not, I had a fantasy that I was going to convert it. it <laughs> <laughs> just like, and that's press not a what happened. It. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Love it. Yeah. 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 A little web button convert for, for real people. Dude, you know, if you yeah. invented that tool, that would be, <laughs> <laughs> there's your million dollar idea. Yeah. So, so, um, I, my, my whole purpose in the book was to really be able to reach more people mm. because mm-hmm. I was realizing that I was limited in, in seeing, you know, only a few, few hundred or a few more than that, um, a year and, and face to face. And so mm-hmm. I thought, okay, I've already got this dissertation. Let me put it into a book and get it out there. Um, so, so that's part of what that is. But then I really am in that space of wanting to reach more and more and continue to stretch out. Um, I, I've done a bunch of podcast interviews. I love it. I think it's so mm-hmm. much fun. Like what you do is super cool. I just <laughs> yeah. got to tell you. Um, so that has been something I've enjoyed and, and continue. Does that mean I want to host my own? Mm, probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, but some online courses is mm-hmm. probably in my future. That feels like it's it's kind of tickling the back of my brain right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just participated in an online course run by another organization that is putting something together and actually just filmed it yesterday where I just did a couple of modules as oh, cool. a part of a greater thing. Yeah. So that will be coming out later this year. Yeah, and so it's so a little I've got taste these of it. Sort of mm-hmm. these things, and then I've got you know I'm speaking at at Lamaze International in April, and that's a big deal. Um, and a couple other speaking gigs that I've got lo- already lined up. So I'm going to keep doing that, knowing mm-hmm. that this year is now the editing year and yeah. the prep year and all of the things that go along with the audience building year, right? Yeah, Especially, that I think too. launching a book right now. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, that too. 
So awesome. Very cool. Well, um, this has been so fun and I, I could talk to you all day. I think I say that like every episode, yeah. <laughs> but I mean it. Like, and likewise, I, this has been fun yeah, with you so fun. too. Awesome. Thank you. Um, so yeah, where can people find you and connect with you? Or is there a certain social media platform you might hang out a little bit more on? Yeah. Or? So I, uh, Instagram and Facebook are both at Britta Bushnell PhD. See, I'm using those three little letters. There you go, dude. Milk it. Uh, So (laughs) so both of those handles work well for me. Um, Mm -hmm. Use that. And then then, uh, my website is brittabushnell.com. Pretty simple. Perfect. Awesome. And we'll yeah. definitely and watch drop and those watch links. for my book. That, yeah. You know, yeah. Is, What's the title? Do it's you have a called title Transformed by Birth. Ooh. So it, it, yeah. The, the well, I mean, title is still in the process, but right now it's Transformed by Birth: The Life Changing Journey from Pregnancy to Parenthood. I love it. Yeah. So we'll see what what the title actually is once it's on shelves because things shift, but that's currently the working title. I like it. I liked it. Yeah, yeah for sure. Thank you. I do too, but we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> you never know, right? <laughs> right. You never know. Awesome. So, so thank you very so cool. much. Well, thanks for stopping by and yeah, let's continue this conversation. I had a great time and I look forward to, yeah, watching you get your courses out there and get your book launched and please let us know how we can help you in any way, um, this community or, um, yeah. And you know, if you you need anything, let us know. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Really appreciate it. 